Atlantic League talk, and Can-Am League talk, and talk from all around the indie ball world. So join us as we discuss all of independent league baseball here on the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Alright, back again, episode 21, and we actually have a full house. Full house! <laughs> back from the Adirondacks. And back from the, the wilderness of the Adirondacks, yep. Yep, old Ed Sheeran and Yukon Cornelius <laughs> Hybrid is back here again. <laughs> Let's just end everything that's happening, because it's a rather uh, expansive week. There's a lot going on, and we're starting to wind down on the first half of the Atlantic season. Yep. I know last week, though, before we jump in, and I'd like to contradict myself real early on here, saying we're going to jump in, but then we're not going to jump in, so, any case... <laughs> Uh, I know that I said there was going to be a bunch of talk about future of the show and all that this week, but uh, we'll do that next week. Uh, still kind of hammering out some programming things. It's really just where our focus is going to be kind of now going forward as we start to get into like the middle of the season, because like I said, keeping tabs on everything, it's a real lot to do, especially for just two people to keep in track of like 25 games a night and news, and a bunch of other things. It's very difficult to keep on top of all that. Right. If it's one league or even one team, it's very easy to do. But when you start tacking on four major leagues plus a small bit of other leagues plus a whole bunch of everything else, it becomes a lot like a full-time job, which is time we just don't really have to dedicate to it. Right. At least at this point. In any case, that out of the way now, let's jump right into the Atlantic League. And some talk on Lancaster, because they're a great place to start, because they are in a bit of a rough going as of late. They lost their last six in a row, and they are two and eight as it stands today. So, what do we think here? How bad is Lancaster? Are they the New York? Lancaster is not the New York. They're not going to be awful the whole way through. I think there's a chance that they can turn things around a little bit and regress to that mean. I think they're very much still a middling team, uh, more so than they, they have been in the past. Uh, but definitely for, for me, uh, from the way I'm, I'm looking at it, I just think that they're, they're a good team, uh, if you, uh, some days and some days they're a bad team. I mean, it's just the way they are. They're very much a, a middling team and they're in one of those ruts right now where they're a very bad team and then they'll go through stretches where they beat really good teams. So, I mean, it's just the way that they, they've been all year. Yep, um, I kind of want to also just throw it out here that we are recording on Thursday, so this will go up on Friday if everything goes well. Um, stuff had to do, be done on Friday, so that's why it's being recorded today. And so all this is as of uh, Thursday morning, how uh, all these stats and whatnot work out. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think Lancaster may actually be down for the count here. York's passed them. They have about four games on them. And even Southern Maryland's starting to climb up on them a bit. Uh, even more so than just the uh, two and eight in the last ten, uh, they're only seven and eleven in June, and so I want to kind of look and see. Oh well, is this just kind of uh, a symptom of many things, or is this just something that's going to kind of pass? Uh, to kind of put in medical terms here, is it a cold or is it an actual disease? And I gotta say, it's looking more like the disease. And <laughs> their offense is just straight up bad. Uh, there's no real way to sugarcoat it. It's not the worst on anything, but it's certainly not the best at anything either. The only offensive category they do well in is drawing walks. They do that very well. They're second in the league for that. 
but everything else they're either third worst or second worst. Uh, they are certainly bad at hitting. They're bad at getting runs across the plate. They're bad at getting balls to leave the yard. They're bad at just about anything that constitutes offense. So that is something that is highly concerning on that end, which in and of itself, you can survive bad offense. We've seen Somerset do that the whole year, and we'll jump onto them fairly soon because they've had a terrific turnaround the last two weeks, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> but the thing Somerset has working for them is they're a very good pitching team. They're a very good defensive team. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They capitalize on when other people make those mistakes. And as far as pitching goes, they never really have a bad night. Obviously, you'll have one or two games that don't really uh, go according to plan, but by and large, their stars go the six innings. They give up four runs, and that's that's a bad start for them. But most of the time, they're giving you seven innings of two run ball, which keeps you well in it if you're not putting across that many runs. But on Lancaster's end here, they've allowed the most runs in the fewest innings played and committed a lot of errors. They're middle of the pack for it here, so I don't want to jump on them too much because they're like a 100th away from being in the top half, but even still being 4 or 5 with I believe they're a .978 for their fielding percentage. Uh, it's not exactly where you need to be. You need to be a little bit higher than that to really be taken seriously here. So I'm very concerned for Lancaster's sake. Now, how much this matters because they're part of one of the worst divisions we've seen in a long time Yep, is a whole other thing entirely. And it's becoming very clear that uh, only Sugarland is making the playoffs for that division. Yeah, I, I agree. I think only Sugarland will, obviously, clearly, only Sugarland's going to make the playoffs from that division. But I, I would say that Lancaster... You know, they're a game and a half behind York right now. Uh, they're at 18 and 31, I think, as of today. Um, and York is at 22 and 32. So, I mean, a game and a half behind York, they're bad. I mean, let's not sugarcoat this. They're not a good team. Mm. The numbers you've, sh- you've shouted out there are very true. They're accurate. Um, and they're, they're good numbers. They're, they're quality numbers. It's not, you know, just fluff. I agree that, that it's more of a disease and not yeah. a cold, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a disease. Uh, it's not just a, a symptom. Uh, and so for me, I think Lancaster is clearly not going to be a team that is going to make the playoffs. But on the same token, Lancaster might be a team that could beat York for that second spot. I think that they're not, they're very much uh, more, more middling in terms of, only reason I'd say that they're middling really is because they're gritty. They're a team that has a lot of grit and they have those intangible qualities, good leadership. Uh, so, I think that there's still hope for Lancaster in terms of what how you measure hope. Could they finish second? Maybe. Uh, we'll see how the you know the last half of the year kind of spins out. But they've lost six in a row. Um, yeah, they're just not a good team. Yeah, the the thing that keeps coming back to me is it's not like they got swept by a quality team. They got swept by York. Right. And that's why they've fallen as far as they have. And it doesn't really get much easier, if I'm right, with their scheduling. It, because from a bit more difficult here, I believe they have Somerset coming up, too, which that's not going to be easy at all. I mean, granted, you have them at home, I believe, but even still, it's not exactly uh, a uh, walk in the park, you know. It gets a lot more difficult for them. And naturally, of course, the first half's almost over. Yeah, they have Long Island, and they have, uh, they go to Long Island, and they have a four-game set against uh, Somerset with a four-game stand against uh, Long Island before that. So, I mean, the next eight's just going to get rougher. Right. And they still have tonight's game against High Point. 
So I don't really expect much out here, especially because Long Island tonight is looking to avoid being swept by the Patriots. Right. So best case for them is what their game out of first place or they tie for first place. So they're, they have a lot to play for, obviously. So really? you know, if they do get swept, they're going to be playing with fire because now they know they're running out of time to kind of claim that spot. Yeah, with a win, then uh, Long Island ties Somerset for first. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure who would hold the tiebreaker for that. But either way, it's still tonight's an important game for Somerset. And once again, we'll jump over to that in just a second here. But right. Long Island series is not going to go well for them, I don't imagine. Uh, then you can obviously have uh, the Patriots breathing down your neck, too. Because regardless of what they do in their next set, they're going to see Lancaster as games you have to win. And yeah. one thing that Somerset has done is win games against teams they should beat. Agreed. Agreed. I just think that, like, like, like we've been talking about the whole year, is that there's really two halves to this, yeah. right? And so the second half of the season, I could see Lancaster making a bit of a run, uh, more so than they have, just because they do really seem to have this never quit, uh, mentality to them. There's very much mm-hmm. a never say die mentality. However, like you're saying, there are legitimate reasons to think, mm-hmm. in terms of statistically, that they will not be able to turn this around. Um, and I don't know if turn it around is really even a good phrase because I don't think they're yeah. going to all of a sudden become a team that's going to make the playoffs. It's, it's just, they're not the kind of team that can just flip a switch. Right. They're just not a good enough team. They, mu- they might be able to get out of the basement, you know, yeah. and they might not finish last, but I certainly don't think they make the playoffs. Yeah, it's just, it's very difficult for them, especially because if you look at that wild card race, because I assume Triggerland's going to win both halves here. Yeah. So we're, so we're going to have at least one wild card up for grabs here, and that's, very clearly going to go to either High Point or New Britain, depending on how New Britain does. But right. I think with uh, everything said on Lancaster, they're, the real thing here is going to be if they're able to uh, kind of rebound here, get a win against High Point tonight would be huge for them just to be able to at least salvage something for the week. So that way you don't lose a week's worth of games in a row. That would be uh, at least a positive there. And right. maybe they could go ahead and steal a game or two from Long Island if you I think if you honestly looking at the schedule, if from uh, the game against High Point and then your four against both uh, Long Island and Somerset here, I think if you wind up going like four and five, you kind of call that a win. Yeah, oh, no doubt. You play two of the best teams in this league, and if you're able to just take two of, well, really three of the best teams with High Point being there, if you avoid being swept by High Point, that's kind of whatever. Just think of it like you won the middle game as opposed to the uh, end game here. And then... Uh, <clears throat> Whatever you take from Long Island and whatever you take from Somerset's whatever at that point. I mean, you guys, you just can't get swept, I think, is the main point here. You cannot lose four games in a row to either one of these teams, and you can't come away losing three and one to both of them. A hundred percent. I mean, like like you said, the barometer for their season is trending in a very bad way. Yeah. I think you'll really, we'll really kind of get a full picture by next week. If by next week they're still... You know they're they're worse off than they were this week. Then you kind of know where it's going to go from there. Hmm. Yep. So I think with that, I think we've said our piece on uh, Lancaster here, and we can kind of shift now to Somerset, who's had a just a real resurgence here as of late. Huge rebound. Yep. Yep. Uh, last week, I know I said that uh, I was kind of whatever on them. They played and beat teams they should have beat well. Uh, they played teams like York. They played teams like Southern Maryland. These are teams that you're expected to beat when you're the Patriots here. But they've come out and just changed everything here. They've managed to win a couple of really big games here against uh, Long Island and really kind of pushed themselves back up there. They've proven me wrong in saying that Long Island has this division on lockdown, like I was saying either a week or two weeks ago, 
And now it seems like it's mo- much more of a dogfight. Certainly. I mean, I, I think this was always going to be the case. Uh, you know, both teams went through their hot and cold stretches, and now it's the end, and, you know, it's a one-game difference between them. I mean, I think that's really, this is where this is going to boil down to for both halves, in my opinion, is going to be in one team, probably, you know, they probably split. Uh, um, yeah. Long Island probably takes one, and then Somerset takes one, or Somerset to Long yeah. Island. Typically, that's how that works between these two franchises. So I think that that's something that we need to look at and kind of keep in the back of our minds, is that both teams are very strong. And yeah. no matter the struggles that they will inevitably go through, as every baseball team in every season does, uh, they will certainly find a way to make it at the end of the day, be there. Uh, like you said, one game out for, for, for Long Island, and there you go. Exactly. And the, the thing here, when you look at Long Island's schedule, which I want to touch on here, because when you're talking about Somerset, you're also talking about Long Island. They kind of go hand in hand. Right. Uh, Long Island is kind of a washer because they both have four games against Lancaster, mm-hmm. which I think that could be a really determining thing here. If one team loses, like, say, two as opposed to only one, that could be where you get your difference in there. But more than just that here, you got to look at the breakdown. Uh, Long Island also gets a, a rough three-game stretch against the Bees. Now, they have them at home, but the Bees aren't uh, just going to willow up and die. No. They're well within the race for a wild-card spot, and so they're not going to, you know, give any ground there. And then there's also the three games at the end of the month where you still have the Patriots again, which is going to really be your defining moment here. If you're if one team's able to sweep the other team there, it can just change everything here. Uh, it's just you're looking at everything here, like you look at the schedules and everything, and it's uh, I gotta say I'm thinking Somerset's got a better shot here. I it, agree. Yeah. It, the only reason I say that is just because of strength of schedule that's left. If you look at who Long Island has, we're going to obviously discount Somerset because they, you know. Right, even each other. Exactly. Uh, the only easy teams they really have here, Lancaster's a wash because they each play them in the four-game set, is the Blue Crabs, which even then, you know, they still could put up a little bit of fight. They're not a good team by any stretch of the imagination, but... Stingy enough. Exactly. They hang around. But the big thing here that's concerning is they have a four-game set against Sugarland, which is going to be rough. And frankly, I don't see them uh, splitting it. I think it's going to have to go one way or the other. Which even a split, you know, may not be good enough. Right. I think also the other thing taken into consideration is that you got to ride the hot hand. Okay. Somerset right now, they're the hot hand. They're the team that has climbed out from the hole that they were in, and they've now taken over Long Island. And so that does something mentally to a team. It gives them some more fire. It gives them some some more idea of we can do this. This is now something we can handle. Uh, and even if they fall down a couple of games, they're still going to be in that mode of we've done this before. We're going to do it again. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But and this, I'm kind of picturing here, assuming Long Island wins tonight, which they're going to have teams pretty even. And I think well, it's very possible to finally have remotely close to decent weather, which is something we haven't had the past two games. <laughs> yeah, right. So that works kind of one way or the other on them. But if you say it's even up here, then all you really, like you're comparing them here, and I just, I don't see Long Island t- beating up on Sugar Land. I could see them beating up on Lancaster, but I could see Somerset doing the same. I could see them beating up on the Blue Claws, and even a little bit on the Bees here, but it's, it's hard to read them. That's the problem here. It's very hard to uh, 
get a read on them. The question is simply, can Somerset score enough runs to win the first half? That's it. Can Somerset score enough runs to do it? They're, I think they're bottom of the league in home runs. They're bottom of the league in runs scored. Hmm. Can they manufacture enough runs? Can they manufacture enough offense to win the first half? That is the question hmm. that they're going to have to answer as they move along here. Yep. Which, you know, the more I look at the schedule here, and I know I keep harping on it, but if we say they come out of the end of June here, they're tied up after this series. If you even want to say Somerset sweeps Long Island now, but then Long Island comes back and sweeps Somerset at the end of the month. And you figure whatever happens with Lancaster is just kind of an even wash. Then it comes, it could come down to a four game set against New Britain when Long Island's playing Sugarland. But the last series each of them play before the All-Star break, Somerset has to go to high point to play. And Long Island gets to be at home against the Blue Crabs. Ooh. So that could turn into something. That can turn into something. Uh, High Point has had Somerset's number a lot, too, this year as well. Exactly. Somerset's just struggled against them. It's kind of odd, but at the same time, it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, High Point's a good team. Exactly. Now, to be fair, though, they haven't had to uh, play High Point since Bichette left. Oh, that's true. since Austin left. So, those are two big bats. A little shout-out for uh, Bichette that he's just played phenomenal. Now that his contract's been purchased Hmm. uh, by the Harrisburg Senators, Uh, he's just played really well. I just wanted to point that out. Um, it's really great when you see these guys come from the indie ball uh, arena that we talk about so much and then go on and do really great things uh, when their contracts do get purchased. It's just really cool uh, little side note there. Yep, of course. that And also it definitely helps out High Point a lot because they're showing we can get good players. We right. can get them on. We work out a lot. It could definitely help build up the organization no doubt. in that manner. So you'd like to see that. But uh, navigating back, though, it's uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting fight down the stretch here. Even still, we're just talking about those two, but you can't even rule out, say, High Point, who's only two and a half back. Agreed. So, I mean, if you, both of them struggle against Lancaster, which, from everything we said so far today, that looks doubtful, but anything's possible. Or even if New Britain jumps up here, that could really make it very interesting, especially. Yeah. Actually, if New Britain, if they're able to go, like, say, two and one against the Ducks, and then a split against uh, the Patriots, all of a sudden now, you're looking at being only like two and a half back themselves going into that last stretch. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be very interesting. Certainly, certainly for that side, right? Exactly. <laughs> Sugarland's got it so locked up on the other side. You oh yeah, it's, worry about it. it's like a tale of two cities. Yep. One side, you know, you're getting the other side. It's, uh, it's like the Wild West. Love the Steinbeck reference. Love it. Yeah. Any case, let's move along now to uh, let's move. Let's see the next team here in. York's an interesting case, I think. I think they're a nice old mitigating point here. York they're, is weird. <laughs> York is weird. <laughs> they're I can't get a beat on them. Like some, some it's it's very much like the argument I was trying to make with Lancaster, but it's a little bit better. They are some yeah. days the worst team in the Atlantic League by far, and some days they are a top five team in the Atlantic League by far. <laughs> I just don't get. They lost their best pitcher in Grimes. Yep. And they then play better. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Like, it's just, I don't understand them. Like, they lost their guy last week. And since then, they've played fairly well. I mean, they took a sweep against the, the Lancaster and the yep. War of the Roses, so good for them. And even then, before that, they played High Point very well. They had, let's see, was that five games against them? Yeah, they played five against them, and they won four of them. Yeah. That's actually one team that really has their number. York just always beats High Point. It's, it's crazy. very weird. 
it's like you expect the opposite to be true here, but it's it's not. But even still, York's ever since actually getting swept by the Patriots, they've just been playing very well. It's very odd. It's uh, yeah, no, they just turned around. Even batting wise, they've played very well. Thirteen runs in the one game, seven, four, twelve against the or twelve in in Lancaster, then four in Lancaster, then six in Lancaster, then seven. And then they went on to have 10 against Sugar Land. They, they're scoring runs now. Oh, they're scoring runs. They're starting to get that going. Um, obviously, the pitching is still a bit uh, sketchy. They <laughs> Atrocious is more the word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last night, they gave up seven. So, that'd be Wednesday night. The night before, nine. They had some good games against uh, Lancaster, but it's Lancaster. Right. Yeah, I mean, they managed to keep uh, rock, uh, the Rockers' bats pretty quiet, though. Last week, yeah, they did. Uh, only one really bad performance, which was their only loss, which was the second half of the doubleheader on the eleventh. They gave up eight there, but second half of doubleheader, you can't really exactly can't spend too much on that. Exactly. So that's just kind of whatever. Every other game is like two or three runs against one with a four-run game, but given the level of play you're at, it four runs is far from bad. Right. So I mean, it's uh. You're an interesting team now. Now, they're still not a good team. Mm. I play back very clear. You're 10 games under 500. You're not a good team. But they make it they make it interesting, at least. Yeah, they do. I mean, they make it interesting. And I think they, in the long run, could wind up being uh, a team that is is interesting in a wild card scenario. I think they could be. I think there's a very there's a chance that they could be, depending on how the second half of the season goes. If they get really hot and, you know, rattle off 10 wins, eh, who knows? Yeah, it just, uh, at the same time, though, I'm not really seeing much coming from them. I do like I the hot stretch. They will have the benefit of getting, I guess, a semi-favorable schedule once you get out from uh, the game tonight against Sugarland, and then you get your Patriot stretch, which is kind of whatever. Right. But you do get the Blue Crabs. You get the Bees that you can work with. You get more Blue Crabs. Then you get Lancaster again. you got a lot of teams there where you can kind of beat up on them. Right. This uh, is, I mean, this is very much hypothetical. Yeah. Uh, again, it's against everything I predicted, certainly, yeah. and everything that uh, we've seen so far yeah. this season in terms of continuing a sustained period of success. I think they've had, you know, kind of moments of really, really mm. good play. And they haven't been able to do is string a lot of wins together. And if they can do that, then, like we're saying, oh, maybe they can jump back in, but it's going to be very difficult. Exactly. I just, it's very, uh, not very great for them at the moment, but it, it's getting better. Yeah. And that's what you got to look for. But uh, it'll be interesting to see later when I kind of go through and break everything down to see who's been really the catalyst for that. Right. Which, uh, it's hard to say. Because the bat's been working and the pitch's been going. But yeah. you need them both working in order to win baseball games, so... That being said here, uh, anything else we want to touch on in the Atlantic League? Yeah, so just one point that I wanted to bring in um, mm. today was, was some of the attendance numbers uh, okay, in, yeah. in the Atlantic League. For me, uh, obviously, Somerset uh, at 5,580 average uh, is really yep. good. Right? Four straight uh, 60,000 fan games, if I'm right, it's either four or five. Right, yep. So good for them. Yep, so they're, they're really good. They're, yep. they're good. But, you know, something that's some some numbers that stunned me is only 2,800. Uh, 25 for opening average for the um, for the reps, yeah, for the York Revolution. I can't believe that you got that. You got such a beautiful stadium out there. It, it's weird. You see the what line. Are you doing? It's weird. Like after Lancaster, which 
And it's the way they played, it's kind of surprising. It's a, like, it okay. is surprising. Yeah. There's just like an immediate line. It's like right. four thousand, and then it just drops by like a thousand. Exactly. I don't. I don't understand how that that works. And I, the number I cannot even begin to comprehend is high point. I understand it's the first season, but wouldn't they have more? I mean, like it went up a little bit since last we discussed uh, it. A it little went, bit. But I mean, every time we discussed it, it goes up slightly more. Like it went from like 1987 up to like. 2098, and now it's up to 2101. So, I mean, I mean slightly, slightly better. better. Maybe we should keep talking about it. But I just, you know, the thing is, is that I just... If that's the case, they should definitely toss us some, some it, something. Yeah, right, come Whatever on. driving fancy your ballpark park here. Maybe like a... a Doing more than you are. A hype the horse, uh, you know, <laughs> cartoon or something. Really? Uh, but, you know, I just don't understand how you can have a beautiful stadium like that. And... In an area that looks like it should be good for baseball. I mean, you got a college right there. You got plenty. You got of, several colleges right, right there. Several colleges right there. Really good communities over there. I, I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. Um, I mean, maybe it's just one of those things where if there's a better uh, product on the field or if there's a big name, maybe then you draw more. Because, I mean, if you look at the they other had ones. They good product on the field. I mean, they did. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, though, if you look at every other team here, either they're winning or they have a big name. Yeah, true. That helps too. Plus, let's see how many. But who's Lancaster's big name? Lancaster is the anomaly that proves the rule. <laughs> you know, exceptions that prove the rule. That's Lancaster right. for you. But uh, yeah, and the, maybe it's kind of working against them. Well, the weather also. The I weather guess, might be something. Weather, I will say, uh, they that hurts them. But then again, you look at everyone else above it. They're near them and have to deal with the same thing. Or your Sugar Land, that's way out in Texas. A very concerning thing for me, though, is, is but, the New Britain number. That's New Britain is. They're surprising, but they're not. At the same time, like I see their ballpark, and it's kind of yeah, right. But but but, uh, what I, but usually for the Atlantic League, you would think like you think better than that. Three thousand would be probably the number that I would think for for a yeah. New Britain for a team that's been good. You know, if you're if they were yeah. terrible, they, well, they start off pretty rough. They did. Let, start let's off be rough. honest. There, to be fair, it's because they didn't send me peanuts. But yeah, of course. Uh, but you know, just from a very serious standpoint, though, I, I, it makes me wonder about yeah. league health to have two. Two teams barely breaking yeah. that 2,000. Yeah, and then they keep talking about how, oh, well, we're thinking about going to Pawtucket. We're thinking right, about going right. to Atlantic City. I'm sure there's a couple other markets in the south that they're thinking you, about. Right. But how do you... We're bringing in Rockland here, which I just want to kind of cut you off sure, here and just ahead. make the point of, through 21 opening days or 21 entries, New Britain has just under 42,000 people. If you look over in the Can-Am League at Rockland, in only 14 openings... They have had 36,450. So, yes, it's less. Yes, it's about 10,000 less, but they have seven less openings. Right. Their average is about 400 people higher. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, and you're talking about a league that doesn't draw as much with, you know, that's not as high level of play. Exactly, you got much lesser talent. Right. I mean, uh, not much lesser, but lesser talent. It's to certainly lesser. You're not going to see a lot of guys go from here into affiliated ball, I mean, to this right. point in the season, which is about... What do you say, about 20, 30 games in? Yeah, about that. Yeah. quarter of the way. Yeah, depending on which team it is. You're yeah, actually about a third of the way done, which is moving pretty quickly. Yeah. But regardless of that, we've seen, what, two, three contracts purchased as right. opposed to oh, like my 40 in yeah. oh, my on the other end of things. I mean, there's about 10 for Long Island and 10 for Sugarland in, in and of themselves. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely concerning here when you see it. Even a team like Southern Maryland has been undisputedly the worst team. They're outdrawing you. High yeah. point's the one, though, that's really, like, I understand. 
So, uh, and the only thing I can think of is that, that it's just saturation in the market. Right. That's the only thing or, I can think or of. Or that it's so early on that just not a lot of fans really know about it. That they didn't do, too. do a good job of marketing. Maybe. I mean, that's the only other thing I could think about. Or maybe they're marketing to the wrong crowd. Like we've said yeah. with their, their social media, while it's fantastic for us and we really enjoy it coming exactly. from a little bit younger of a generation, yeah. maybe it's not really drawing interest from the people in the area. Um, exactly. And, and certainly, it's not something that we critique them on. I think that's a great thing that they yeah, have a very interesting exactly. social media. You go after the younger people there, but at the same time, though, I almost think the better way to build up a fan base is you target like the the young families, the ones that have the eight to ten year old right. kids, and you got to play the long game. And I know in a business like sports, and even more so independent league sports, where you don't have any sort of a profit sharing or a revenue split or anything like that, where it's really it's you take care of yourself because the league just simply can't afford to take care right. of you like mm-hmm. a major league sport would. You kind of have to get the money in now. You can't afford to wait five years. But if you go after the families that have the eight to ten-year-old kids and they grow up, they start to identify they really like the Rocker brand, that's the team they want to be with, then eventually you look five years down the line, six years down the line, when they start getting like summer jobs and have free money, they come and they spend it with you. And th- and that's the business model of teams like the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, that's what the Patriots do. That's what they've done. And that's why they're so good. Yeah. I mean, right, that's, I mean why that's even what Nork did for a long while. Right. Now, granted, they they went down for unrelated reasons. Right, unrelated reasons. Yeah. That was poor ownership that wound up happening after they was originally sold. But that's a whole other thing for a whole other time. Right. But if but, you, you look at that model, that's what works. And I think that it, the, High Point's got to figure it out. Yeah. Because... You spent a lot of money to get that stadium built. You've got a lot invested into it. And if you're only averaging like 2000 per opening, you're not going mean, to make exactly. it. You have 26 opening days. Let's see, where's that exactly? Put That puts them at the fifth most openings. A little bit of a stretch. Now, granted, still 26. It's a pretty decent-sized number there. But you're drawing in very few people. That's your problem. You're you, just not getting You've got to have more than that. I mean, exactly. you just have to. I mean, you can't have... And that shows a disparity in the Atlantic League, hmm. and it's very—it should be really concerning for the for the people to have, you know, a team almost, you know, They're by in, almost three 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 thousand three thousand five hundred fans per game pulling in more than your lowest team. You can't have that. Exactly, it's just a—it's a major issue, especially when you look at them, and they are the third best team in this league. Exactly. I mean, they're better than Sugarland, even though they have the same record here, simply because they have harder competition. They've had to play more difficult teams. Exactly. And the other thing is, not only are they good, but they're also in, in a market where it should be good. This should be a team that has having at least 3,000 fans in opening, or at least 2,500, and exactly. they're not having it. Exactly. Like I said, the only thing I think of is you have Greensboro that's close by that's affiliated. Maybe. You have another two in affiliated teams that aren't far away. They're like 20 miles, 30 miles out, which realistically isn't that far. No, it's, it's not. It's like, what, a 20-minute drive, 30-minute drive at most? Exactly. So I guess if I'm if I'm a customer that's paying, I'm not really sure what exactly High Points prices is and if they're different if you buy a day of the game or walk up as opposed to online. That's not really something I can speak to. But if we're going to say all is the same and I could pay $15 to see independently play without any real big-name guys, or I could see playing 15 to see the local farm team of a guy that may be playing in the major leagues in four years. I'm probably going to pay to see the future major leaguer as opposed to the 26-year-old guy that's kind of at the end of the line. Of course, yeah, so. I, I, I agree with that. And I, I think that, 
But I mean, that doesn't really, you know, necessarily work because a lot of teams are. I mean, in areas like Long Island, Somerset, they're all in, in areas where it should, where that should be a factor, but it doesn't matter, right? Exactly. And the counterpoint to that is you have plenty of people. <laughs> the counter is exactly that. It's a matter of well, then they must not be doing a good enough job job to draw them in there because right. Somerset is what about thirty five minutes from Trenton, Easy. about maybe forty five an hour away from Lakewood. Yeah. You have affiliate teams fairly close by. I mean, you could probably, there's even Allentown that's not that far away either. There's Reading that's not that far away. You have, uh, Hudson Valley that also has a team. You have Brooklyn that would be a competitor for Long Island. Yeah. You have other teams that are fairly close by that are affiliated that, uh, they put a very high quality product on the field. They do. And they're holding their own. They're leading the way in attendance. I mean, Sugarland. Look at them. They're just outside Houston. So, I mean, you have plenty of options in Texas for yeah. baseball. Oh, 100%. And they're, and they're very much so holding their own against even other independent leagues. The, so, it's just... I think my point for bringing this up, all of this, yeah. is we, we've talked a lot on this show about yeah. the expansion of the Atlantic League and yeah. how stable it is and things like that. If you're only having two teams that are barely breaking 2,000 per game, hmm. can you realistically expand? I say no. I mean, at this point... I mean, the question really becomes here is, is the lack of attendance, what's it caused by? If you say, it's caused by, say, weather, like in, say, New Britain's case, where it's been very rainy, and if we're being honest here, you just don't want to go to a baseball game when it's raining. I mean, right now I'm looking outside, it's gray clouds and predicting rain. There's two teams close by, three teams, actually, I could go see play right now. And I'm thinking, nah, I'd rather not go get rained on. Right. So, I mean, if you want to say that's the reason, then that's a very fair reason. And there's just not much you could do about weather. If you're going to say it's because of the quality on the field, well, that's something you can fix, which is just as simple as making sure uh, the right guy's running the show and that you're getting the right talent there. That's a fixable problem that's not permanent. If you're saying it's just they're not doing a good enough job making the game entertaining for those that came for the baseball and those that came for the night out, that's again fixable, a little bit more difficult, but still very fixable. But if you're saying it's because of where it's at, that's an issue that cannot be fixed. Right. And that's where I'm, what I'm, I'm trending yeah. toward thinking is that last point of hmm. is high point not sustainable for baseball? I, I mean, it's very early to tell. Very early. I mean, uh, clearly that is a hot take if you're saying that right now. And I would not assert that in any way. But I am saying that it's, it's a question to be thought. It's a, some, it's a question to be thought of. And if it's not, if that is the case and it's not sustainable, hmm. you cannot, as the Atlantic League, be like, oh, let's expand. You can bring in one more team, probably Rockland, if High Point doesn't work out, and that's it. I mean, like, the thing is, too, if you're going to expand, you have to expand by two. I just don't see a Road Warrior option being a great call no. again. If for not enough call the first time. If for nothing else, then just bring in guys just to get the snot beat out of them. Night after night, that's just not a great look. Cause it's not an entertaining game to watch. No. Once you go off by 13 to 3, I'm willing to stay and watch because I got nothing else better to do. But a lot of people go, I, I don't want to just stay and watch. I got to get up for work the next morning. Why exactly. am I doing this, right? Exactly. That, or just this just isn't entertaining here. You know, let's just go to the AMC across the street. At least I'll get some entertainment out of that. Right. After the fifth inning, when it's a 10 run game, it's very clear one side is not coming back. Right. Especially when they just lack the talent because all the good players get poached by the other seven teams. So, yeah, no, I, I definitely see your point. I think, once again, like you're saying, it's very early to tell that for high point. Very early. The teams I'm more concerned about are New Britain and even to an extent, Southern Maryland. Agreed. 
I think really the case is, is mm. New Britain a sustainable place? I mean, they're only a hundred points higher, or a hundred points, a hundred people, uh, per game higher than. Although, to be fair though, they have five less entries. Five less entries and also the rain has just been so bad. Uh, so yeah. maybe if, really in the second half, I want to keep an eye on this, I want to bookmark it. And yeah. in the second half, I'd like to see as we wrap up the season where these numbers are. Oh yeah, no, the second half is definitely going to be the place to watch this whole thing unravel here. Southern Maryland, like I keep saying though, I think they're very interesting to watch because while they're drawing decent, they've had 24 openings. They're not the most, but they just never win. <laughs> and the ne- I really mean that. They never win. They have like one, I think, second half division title the one year. And so how long are you just going to keep going? Eh, I guess I'll go. Right. It's, I think if they had one winning season, it would really do a lot there. I agree. Because even still, drawing the, what, 2,700 they have, or roughly speaking, yeah. it's not... Th- 26 and change. Yeah, it's not exactly the definition of sustainable. No. I mean... It's one thing if you're drawing like between 3,000 and that 26 pretty regularly, but you're really not. Like even when you see the social media and whatnot, it's a pretty empty ballpark, which for a ballpark looks very nice. It's a bit surprising, but at the same time, what what other options are there in that region? Yeah. So, I mean. What I'm really surprised about is York. I mean, while Harrisburg isn't too I mean, far like, they do, they do drum well a lot of times, so I really chalk them up to rain and performance you on really, the field. You think that's what it I is? think that's more or less the case. I mean, over the past 10 years, they've shown that they are sustainable. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what, and what you've got there is you're almost 3,000 uh, 3, per game. Uh, they have, they're tied for the second most openings. Um, but they're almost at 3,000 a game, right? They're at 2,000. Okay, they're close enough. I'm not that concerned. So they're not. I, I mean, think once we start getting into like July and August and it starts to dry out a bit. They start playing as, better. They dry out a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. As long as it doesn't get like outrageously hot, like high 80s. Right. I think it'll be fine. Especially because then, keep in mind, in the summer, you're still going to have a lot more camp days and True. things like that. Plus, kids are now finally starting to get out of school a lot. That's the only thing we need so to do. So you're going to get that. Thing. Which, something interesting that could affect high points, thing that I just thought of when I mentioned the kids in school point, they're, if I'm right, North Carolina doesn't, or widely doesn't do like a two-month-off break. They do the, you go to school for a month and you have the two weeks off, then a month and two weeks. So that maybe affects them a little bit. Maybe. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I certainly have heard of Yeah, I know that a lot of school districts in North Carolina do that. Really? I'm not sure about High yeah. Point in particular. Plus, considering High Point's more of a college town, I'm not sure how much that would really affect it. But I think maybe a combination of all these factors are affecting them. And maybe it's just a matter of they have to muscle into their space. I agree. I, I think they gotta, I think they really need to, to, to focus hard on marketing right now. Mm. I think that's something they really need to focus hard on. You need people to go to that ballpark. It doesn't matter how many games you win. If you, there's nobody there, you know. <laughs> maybe something that would be a little bit fun here, because although we have stuff to talk about with the Can-Am League, it's not that much time that's gonna take. But if you were to kind of fix the high point problem, because we talked a lot about this. Right. So it's a bit unfair to talk about it and then not really give a, Boatload of suggestions here right. to how you can fix it. What exactly would you think of to fix it? So what I would do differently is I would have absolutely have a lot more outreach in terms of participation with the college and participation with other outside groups mm-hmm. in bringing people in. I would make it very much a family-friendly environment and something that you bring people in. So I'd have days, and I'm not sure if they do this or not, but I would have days where, oh, you know, especially they missed a little bit of the window uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure the college is out by now. But, yeah. you know, it, 
there's kids, there's people there, I'm sure, taking summer classes and, and doing things like that. So give a, if you have a, a high point, uh, ID, you get, you know, however, yeah, you however get in for, off, or you yeah. get in for free for you a get day. a five dollar ticket, right, or five dollar like ticket, that. and you get, you know, or, or and you know, if you're 21, you get uh, beer is five dollars, or, or not five dollars, beer yeah. is two dollars, or you know, something like that, right? Yeah. Something, some, something to really make yourself part of the community. I mean, uh, things like that that Somerset has done over the years has really mm. made a difference, right? Yeah. I had uh, Sparky, the uh, mascot for yeah. the Patriots, come to my. Uh, middle school when I was a kid. Yeah. That made all the difference, right? Immediately, yeah. oh, can we go to a Patriots game? Can we go to a Patriots game? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it, they need to become part of that community, embed themselves into it. Uh, and I think that is much more important than some of the flashy stuff that they've done on, on online, and that that's great. But really, they need to get down to the nuts and bolts of becoming part of that community, and that is how an a Atlantic League team makes it, is they become a staple in the community. Exactly. I... Kind of building off of what you're saying there, and I agree with that. Uh, more of like a structural thing here. I would change up how you have your weekly promotions, because every day you get the daily specials. I think for Monday, you could do something that's pretty easy, something like a discount day for merchandise, maybe a food special, something to drop people in. Right. For Tuesday or Wednesday, I would really hammer in like a senior day, because I really think you could get the seniors there for day games and things like that. Especially because if you have the grandparents here and they're watching the grandkids or something, or the grandkids come in town, if they know this is something that the grandkids will uh, really enjoy, they can take them there and it'll be cheap and something to do. But right now, with the way they're focused on that social media presence, and um, once again, I'm not sure how much their print focus is and their billboards around town are and their TV ads, if they have any radio ads, if they have any things like that, but that kind of traditional media is where a lot of older people will solely get their things from. Right. Uh, maybe Facebook, but that's even... Few and far between, yeah. Exactly. It's not as much among the uh, kind of grandparents of the of the community. So I go focus on that, try and get that going there. I agree with a lot what you said there, especially like going to schools and being part of that, especially for like if they have, like say, field days or something like that where you have like just kind of a giant like end-of-the-year celebration type thing. I think definitely you could bring them in for that. I see they have a reading program, but everybody has that, so I mean, it's not that unique. Right. A uh, little bit of volunteer work, but once again, every team does some volunteer work. It's not that creative or original here. I would also keep the cheap beer night that they have now. It's like dollar beer night on Thursday, so that helps out there a lot. Right. Um, I do see one thing here that I would change here. The fireworks on Saturday are nice, and the kids run the bases on Sunday is nice, but I would change the Friday to one where it's kind of like a family discount pack. There's nothing really for Friday at the moment that I'm seeing here. So I would try to do something where you can get the whole family there. Because that, that's where you got to target. you got to go for the families. And you got to go on the weekends, like you're saying. Yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday got to be your biggest days. Exactly. you got to draw there. It's, it's when it's going to be its busiest. Cause yep. Mom and Dad don't want to go out Monday through Thursday because they're tired of working. They just want to sit down and relax. At least on a Friday, you have that chance of, Oh, let me unwind from the week. I'll go here, and I can just kind of let the kids do what they do. Yep, and now you know I'll sleep in on Saturday. <laughs> exactly. So I would definitely, uh, I'd go with something like that. I think Agreed. if you go with something unique on a Monday, because Monday is probably your most difficult day to draw, because the people that want to come have come over the weekend. So now you kind of got that like kind of wind down, I guess. The flows kind of died out. 
then Tuesday can be really whatever. Maybe you make that a camp day. Maybe you make that kind of like a crazy, wacky promotion day that they give away stuff to really kind of draw them in. Right. You do your day games on Wednesday, like a lot of teams tend to do. Because middle of the week, you could definitely get the seniors in there. You can get a bunch of things like that going there. Thursday, you still get your cheap beer nights. You can get all the college students, all the young people that just go, well, for 15 bucks, I can basically pay in a dollar a beer. It's fairly cheap, yeah, and it's something to do at least, so you can get people in there. Maybe even like some promotions during the year where it could be like the Camp Under the Stars thing. That's a big one for a lot of teams. Yep. Maybe even say like a movie thing, like a post game movie, because you have a giant screen in the middle of your field. You could put that on if you have say a five o'clock start. Atlantic League wants games to be pretty quick, so figure they do, two, yeah. <laughs> yeah, figure two and a half hours at yep. seven thirty. Sun. May be a factor here, but even still, if you want to say it is a factor, start at 6, 8.30, sun's down, movie on the screen, done. Done. Yep. Two-hour movie, they're gone at 10.30. And you can keep the concessions open and just close down a alcohol sale at 7. Right. And then you can rank in money from that, too. If only even popcorn and like pretzels and things like that. That's a good way to bring in revenue. It's a there. great way to bring in revenue. I, I, I think creative things like that. Exactly. Movie on the field or anything like that. Those yeah. things are so important. And that's how you become part of the community. Oh, when I was a kid, I saw a movie at High Point Rockers Stadium. And now I will always go to their games because I had such a positive experience. Right? Yeah, mean, and that's that, what's going to happen. Or my Cub Scout troop right. at the camp on the stars exactly. after a game thing. I've also love making players available. Yep. That's something that has gotta to be make, a thing. Because one available. of the biggest thrills as a kid is getting some player to sign your thing. Yep. I don't even remember half the guys I had signed my thing, but I remember it was really fun to do it. Like, right. Of the guys I remember, like Armando Benitez and Nork and like Shea Hildebrand. Right. I mean, I always remember Shea Hildebrand. There you go. And Ty Wigington, too. Ty Wigington. Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah. I, and throughout the years, I've had people yeah. sign things for me, and, and that's awesome. I exactly. think that's a big part of it is having an availability for players and fans of that interaction. But at the end of the day, it boils down to can your team, can your fans coexist as part of this greater community? And if they can, and you've seen places like Somerset and Long Island, if when they do, that's when those numbers are good. Yeah. Where they don't is, you know, New Britain, maybe they're a little bit outside of the community right now. Is, you know, exactly. And, and they need to work more on becoming yeah. part of that, that really that feel of, oh, I, I'm loyal to this team because they're part of what we have here. Yep. Right? Camden was part of, that was part of the reason. Now they couldn't get their lease free up, but they were never really, you know, in the swell there. Right. Other teams have also struggled with that. I mean, just look back but through Newark all the failed teams. Newark was certainly part of the community. Newark helped out a lot. Obviously, they did, they did suffer for night games. Same thing yeah. Camden did. I mean, right. that's just part of where you're located. But at the same time, they they definitely drew well for the day. They yeah. definitely drew well for several nights and whatnot. Ballpark was not an issue. Everything ran pretty good. Once again, though, that last half kind of suffered. Right. Atlantic City was doing very well, but then they also kind of went the same way Newark had planned. That's typically the way it goes. I think Brockton was also part of this for a little bit there. Uh, Nashua also went down the same way. Bridgeport, similarly. Bridgeport, yep. They were very similar to Camden in the way they fell. So, I mean, you look at all these teams that have fallen, normally it's either they just didn't have enough roots to be able to kind of force their way into getting the lease renewed. Right. Or they just, they suffered because they didn't do enough. Right. It's, that's just the way it goes. So, I think that's kind of a good way to wrap up the Atlantic League talk at the moment. And we could switch over now to the Can-Am League. It's got a decent little bit to it, but not uh, nothing terribly meaty. Right, but, not uh, yet. 
But before we really dive into anything spe specific, I think we should just kind of go through the uh, go through the past ten days for the for the uh, Can-Am League. So if you look over the last ten, it's a bit surprising the result category. We'll work our way from the bottom up here. Quebec, you're still struggling. Three and ten, you're sixth, and only eight and twenty-one. You're going to be the first thing we talk about here, and that uh, well. You're running out of time very quickly. Yep. Uh, from here, we have a tie for third. With five and five records, we got Sussex County. That's still in first place, ten or eighteen and ten. Yep. We got Rockland, who's in second place, still sixteen thirteen. They're tied with uh, New Jersey for that. And then there is Ottawa, that is in fifth place, fourteen and fifteen. They were also five and five. Second place on the weekend, tied for second. In the league, at, at a 6-4 and four record on the week, 16-13 and 13 of the year, is the Jackals, like we just said. And in a surprising turn of events, the best team of the week, with 7-3 record, in fourth place, 500 record, 15-15, and 15, Trevi Vaugh. It's, uh... It's been a wacky week. It's been weird. That's what happens when you go to the Adirondacks. Exactly. Crazy things happen in the mountains. <laughs> oh, and also, because the Canada League hasn't done a great job of promoting this, All-Star voting is also now open. Uh, if you go to their site, there is no way to actually get to the ballot. The only way I was able to get to the ballot was I went to Ottawa's Instagram page, and they had the link to it in their bio. I tweeted out the link to the <laughs> thing here, so you could just go to our Twitter, IndieBallPod, and just click the link that I tweeted out. I could throw that in our bio if y'all want that. Just comment on the post if you want that. I could put it on there, or I can even put it on the site to directly link you to it. Right. But, uh... Yeah, now the way that's working is you just pick one guy from each of the teams and they'll go to the All-Star game and then I assume the rest will be kind of picked from the league itself. But right. uh, you're able to kind of go from there. But in any case, to Quebec and their struggle. Yeah. I don't get it. Like, they should be better than they are. They should be. I mean, they're not a terrible team in terms of, you know... Like, even statistically, they're yeah, not bad. They're not... They shouldn't but be. they're bad. They're ten and a half games back. Where... And like you said, about a third of the way through the year, it's getting to the point where it's you know, you know I mean, you don't want to call them dead in the water. But they're certainly June, trending. But they're trending. I mean, it's, we're getting to the end of June here. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you're coming to the All Star break here, where your 500 mark, where it's your kind of unofficial reset on like the uh, Atlantic, where it is your reset. Right. And I just don't get it. Like, I'm looking through all their stats and everything here, and there's there's guys that are hitting, and then there's guys that aren't. But I don't really think that's the problem here. I mean, they're doing well enough where they should be fine. Even pitching-wise here, it's not like they're that atrocious. No, I mean, honestly, it's just not... They're just not winning games. I mean, they're just not putting games away. I mean, there's no other way to put it than they're just not... I mean, some of it is, like you said, weather and luck and things yeah. like that, but... Some of it is really just they're not they don't they're not a team right now that knows how to win. Right? I mean if you think you look at you look at Sussex County, they're a team that is gonna find a way that is really confident and every night you feel like they're gonna have a they're gonna find a way to, to eke out a win. Um but right now Quebec doesn't have that very resilient feel to them. Exactly. And it's just such an odd thing from a team that has guys that went to a final, went yeah. to multiple finals multiple years in a row. And they're just not able to piece together right now. Because you look at their starters. Jelena still, he's still pitching very well. 3.0. Yeah. Uh, 3.43 from Marsh. So he's doing his job. Yeah. Scott Richmond is not pitching well at all. He's 5.8, basically. 
and that's a bit surprising from the former major league. You would have thought, you know, a little bit better there, but, you know, whatever. Right, struggling a little bit. Yeah, it's not exactly a pitcher-friendly league, so I, I get that. And then uh, Sakula, who also was at about a five, you can survive that even. That's not even that bad. They're not, it's, it's not just, that bad. You've got two guys that are sub-four ERAs. You should be winning games, especially in the Atlantic League. Exactly. I don't get this here. Mulkin, who's pitched him as a starter a couple of times, but he's really, his role is more as the bullpen guy. He's done very well. Uh, it seems like they can't get that last two, uh, or really the last starter role figured out. Right. Because they keep just kind of handing the ball around to other people. Fontaine, ERA over 10. You look at Garcia, ERA over 8. They just can't seem to figure out. Uh, Anton may be the guy now. He was a Frontier League guy last year, one mm-hmm. of the top pitchers that in last year for Frontier League. He had an 8 and a third, he went. And his and uh, start here, or well, he played four games in in thirty innings pitch in the year. He's pitched decent. He could be your guy, but even still, like I don't. Normally, I look to the stats because stats can normally tell you the story, right? Or at least give you enough of a picture to be able to put the pieces together. And here, I just I can't see it. Not to lose twenty one games at this point in the season. That's crazy. Not, not to me eight and twenty one here. I just don't get it. Like. Like, even, like, advanced metric-wise, it's pretty straightforward. Like, they're not that bad of a team. They really are not that bad. Which leads me to le- believe they will uh, maybe pick things up a little bit. I don't. I certainly don't think they'll keep at a uh, <laughs> 276 winning percentage, but, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, like, you got to do better than that. Like, I'm trying to figure out where they went wrong, and even that is a bit of a struggle here, to be honest, because I don't really see where they did. I mean, from a number standpoint, it's hard. But from a, a standpoint of in that locker room, it's probably just guys... Oh, it's snowballs. Out. Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's snowballs. It's just getting down on themselves and getting down on one another and not believing that they're going to pull through. And if you don't believe you're going to pull through, man, it gets hard. Exactly. Like, And the thing is, too, they even got the, like, the Cuban team and, like, all these teams that are traditionally kind of doormat teams. They're brought in, they get some showing, and then they get beaten right. pretty badly. I mean, but they're losing to them. Yeah, they, they, they lost to them. It's crazy. You can't lose to these guys. These are winnable games. You're throwing them away. Yeah, it's bad. It's just it's rough there. But on a side note, though, the Chicago Island team has been fairly impressive so far. Yeah, like they They're been. winning games. They beat Sussex and whatnot. Two and three so they're, far. They're yeah. pretty good. They are pretty good. Beat up on Rockland, beat up on Sussex. They're beating decent teams here. I mean, the Cuban national team has a three and two record. <laughs> I mean, like they're not a doormat this year. That's very surprising. I kind of want to go see Shikoku though on uh, Sunday. I know, yeah. The two o'clock game over at the uh, Jackal Sam. They head over there for there that. But could be worth doing here, even though uh, Saturday is '90s day over in uh, oh. Sussex. Going to that, I want to get some sweet Cardinals gear. <laughs> that stuff looks awesome. Though. It does look awesome. But in any case. Uh, Kind of moving on from Quebec here, because their problem really almost seems like a mental issue at this stage. Agreed. Uh, they're good enough to break out of it, they just need to do it, but uh, they don't do it, I think. Normally, I make these things where it's like, within a week, we're going to know, and it's a bit hyperbolic, but this is seriously one of those times where it's, by the end of the month, we're we will know. know. <laughs> because they only have July and August. Yep. And if you're not, say, 15 wins, at the, you've got even better than that, because everybody else is at 14 or better. Yep. So, and I don't see uh, Quebec, They're, or Ottawa, rather, not winning a game until then. Yeah. If you're not at, like, 20 wins by the end of the month, I don't know what to say. Yeah, if they don't really go on a hot stretch here soon, they're going to be in some, some big trouble. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so certainly moving on next to Ottawa, I think... Ottawa's... Yeah, good point. They're, they're weird. They're weird. They're weird as hell. 
Like, they have some good players. Like, uh, let's see here. Rogelli. Uh, uh, I can't pronounce his name, but he's been in 336, 36 hits. He hasn't hit a home run, only has 13 ribbies, but he's getting on base, and he's playing like 28 games, so yeah. he's playing well. I mean, that's the thing. That's the important thing. I mean, Ottawa... He's like Jeff McNeil. Yeah, right. Ottawa's very hot and cold kind of a team. Yeah. Ottawa's, what are they, 5-5 five and five in the last week? Is oh, that yeah, 5-5. Like, 5-5, five and five. Five and five, like the rest of the... Almost all the rest of the team, except for Trey uh, yeah. so I think you've got very much a, a weird dynamic with a lot of these teams where they're good. Exactly. <laughs> like, they're, they're good. Pretty they're pretty middle-of-the-pack right. average teams. Great. They're good. I mean... Even Sussex County, they're eighteen and ten. They've they cooled off significantly. Right, they had a, they had a real hot start, so they're good. I mean, you know, I think this is a very close league. There's not really much else to say here. They're way closer. In the Atlantic League, there's way bigger disparity. Oh, certainly, yeah, in a class Sh- in, yeah, in Sugarlands Division. But if you were talking about just you know as a whole league right here, there's there's a lot of teams that could win this league. Okay, like the only team you can really write off at the moment is Quebec. Right. Even them, I still have enough faith in them that they have the talent to kind of get on there. And that's just for the moment. I mean, exactly. they, could, like they, they could pick it up on any. It's point. very possible that over the next 25 games they go. Say fifteen and ten, yeah, and then all of a sudden now we're right back in it. Now you still they got work to do at that point, but they're not that far okay. away from five hundred, right? And I mean Ottawa's a shaky team; they could have a rough stretch, and all of a sudden now you're one back of a playoff spot. New Jersey's good, but they're not great. Exactly, like they show moments where they just kind of fall apart. I like the game I had seen them play. They had a seven-run lead, and all of a sudden it became a two-run lead. Their bullpen is rough. Their bullpen is rough. It's not even that their bullpen's really bad. It's just. It's poor management. It is. Like, yeah. Rammer, he's pitched very well, but he's getting a lot of innings here, and I wouldn't do that all to begin. Uh, Castile's been rough. Yeah, he's He was bad. rough. He, he allowed five runs in that game. He's the reason he got that close. Uh, there's other guys in there that it seems like they get work too much. It seems like uh, the manager really likes them, and so he keeps going to them and going to them. And if you like the guys, and I understand pitching them while they're pitching well, but you can only do that so much until you put too much mileage on the arm. It's only June. Yeah. You're probably going to be a playoff team at this point unless you fall apart. you got to save something for the end of August, September. Yeah. If they don't have anything by then, it's got going to go well for you. I mean, Rockland's a shaky team. They played really poor at the beginning of the year, and now they've kind of rebounded. They've done well yeah. or well enough. Yeah, Rockland is also in very much in that same category with New Jersey as good. Solid, yeah. but maybe... They're pretty even but, if you look at them. I mean, their records are dead even. even. Yeah, but they're also prone. They're both prone to moments of like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, no, they're just... There's rough things because, like, you have one day where you put up seven runs, a lot of offense, you get no hit the next day. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, granted, that no-hitter, it's... Meh, it can't beat you to the bag, but it got called no-hitter to no-hitter. Right. And even if he does get the back, oh, so one hitter where you had two base runners the whole game. Yeah. That really. makes a world of difference. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. On In the walk, even, there was a pitch in there that looked like it should have been a strike. So if you want to call it all even, then you still have one base runner. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this is so much better. We had an infield hit as opposed to a shaky walk. Right. <laughs> like, it's... They're a shaky team there. Sussex is good enough where they you can... They can survive it. Yeah. They're going to survive being shaky here. And it's almost better off now that you're cooling down towards this middle part. As we get to the middle part of the year and going into the All-Star break. And then you come out of the All-Star break, you really just jump ahead, cool down a bit again, and then kick your stride right as you go into the postseason. But, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. 
Because, like I said, there's a real mushy middle. There's no guy really jumping ahead of everybody. If you yeah. had to say, it would be Sussex at the moment. At the moment, at 18 and 10. And, you know, that's still not a barn burner of a record. Exactly. It's like a horse race right now. You have a pack, one guy that's slightly ahead, and the horse that's got a lame leg in yeah. just at the end. So, it's, uh... It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Agreed. But, uh, unless we have anything else to add about the Can-Am League, I think we can kind of go to uh, plugging things and going from there. No, I'm I'm good. Only thing I, I want to say is that uh, make sure you go out for that Saturday night uh, Sussex County game with all the Cardinals stuff. That looks like it's gonna be really cool. Um, it's a really great event that the Miners have done. <laughs> and um, like High Point, another thing you could do. Yeah, exactly. Hey, do something that is good for the that shows the history of the area. Really smart move by Sussex County. Or just plays on nostalgia heavily. Yep, and really just a good job by them. Uh, so just wanted to shout them out there. I thought that was very clever. You know what I should be at? I just have a great promotion for High Point. What? If you did a one week, if you had like a week of home games, which I'm sure they have something close to that. Sure. If you went through a tripping through time week where each day had, was a different decade, like you have 40s week, 50s week, right. 60s week, and 70s. And do like hats uh, for each week. You do like a different thing because you could do even do, oh wow, it's a bit expansive here, but you could definitely do it and it'd definitely be real entertaining. Right. You have to mix up with the college and then with local designers. You have a bunch of local, like, graphic designers and whatnot submit, like, uniform ideas and mock-ups for faux-backs, which is essentially a fake throwback, as right. the name implies, uh -huh. for each of the ones. So, like, a 60s decade faux-back, a 70s one, an 80s one, a 90s one, one for the just past 2000s, and then right. one for right now. Mm -hmm. And then even if you wanted to, you could play on when Major League Baseball did the through-time one, so one for, like, the 2060s. Right. You could do, like, a future one, too, and even introduce, like, the best of them all, like have fans vote on each one that they like the most and introduce that as like an alternate going forward. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Yeah, and just like kind of theme the promotions for each one of them because I'm sure a lot of guys would go out for like a 60s throwback where you play like all 60s music at the ballpark, you yeah. reference a bunch of events then, uh -huh. you could play on the history of the area pretty well. I think that could be something that could be very popular. Great. I think that would be very interesting. And I think, again, just to get back, Hmm. You've got to be creative. You need something exactly. creative. You need to be thinking like that. Get you got to think excited. outside the box. Yeah, get people excited. Get people interested to go to these games. Because you've built this beautiful ballpark that dries really quickly, that is perfect for, you know, the type of weather that we've been having. Get people to the games. Come on. Exactly. So if you're in the high point, right, go see the team. Yeah, go it's see a good the team. team. It's a good team. It's a good stadium. Go. All right. So with all that being said, I think we can kind of plug and get out of here. So as we plug during the show. Uh, Twitter is at IndieBallPod. The link to all the All-Star voting is on there somewhere. So just go there, you can click on that, but give us a follow. We tweet out a lot of articles, retweet any news we find. There's occasional hot takes and you could just stay up to date with everything we do. Uh, let's see, on Instagram it's IndieBallReport. Uh, that, you could just keep up to date with anything that we're doing. So if we're at a game, you see that. You could keep up to date with any articles, so there's sneak peeks of those on the Instagram. Also, you know when each of the episodes are posted because we put that up on Instagram about five minutes after it goes up. But you should subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podomatic. That's where the show will immediately go right into your feed. You'll know about it and you'll be able to listen as soon as it gets uploaded, which is regularly on Saturdays around noon, maybe a little bit later, depending. But today it will be up on Friday as you're listening to now. But uh, outside of that, I think we plug just about everything except for the YouTube channel, which is Indie Ball Report. It doesn't get used that much because we always get copyright striked for nothing at all, and then I dispute <laughs> them, and then 
it goes nowhere, and YouTube doesn't tell me what happened, so then I forget about it, and then I go, oh, I'm not going to post anything today because, you know, I'd rather not fight with YouTube for today. But you should subscribe to that anyway. I'll probably do something in the off-season with it especially, but subscribe to that. After grading and reviewing, don't forget to go out and play ball.